0: Welcome to the HisCall Technology Podcast, where we are communicating tomorrow's business needs today. From just outside Nashville, Tennessee, join HisCall as we discuss all things telephony, data, and infrastructure related to business leaders. Here we go. Here we are on another episode of the HisCall Technology Podcast. This is your host, Chuck. On today's podcast, we will discuss a big problem and some steps to address it. A problem around the world is the vast number of illegal robocalls that reach people's phones that has resulted in us being reluctant to even answer our phone calls. To combat this, stir shaken has been developed. Now, we're not talking about James Bond's vodka martini he famously ordered shaken, not stirred, right? We're talking about some FCC legislation that went into effect on June 30th of this year. On today's podcast, you might think about Happy Days. If you ever watched the American sitcom television series, Happy Days, you may remember Howard and Marion Cunningham's oldest son was Chuck. And if you're a fan of Happy Days, you may also know... There were two Chucks. The character was played by two different actors over the tenure of the series. Well, in today's podcast, you're going to hear from two Chucks. Our guest is Chuck French of Mutari. His call has partnered with Mutari many years. You may remember Rich quatroki from Mutari was a guest on episode 20 and 21 of our podcast. Rich provided a very informative session discussing Mutari's voice spam filter. And if you've not heard that episode, I'd encourage you to go listen to it. Matter of fact, even if you have listened to the episode, it would be a great follow-up to our discussion today with Chuck French. I attended a Mutari webinar months ago that Chuck was a speaker. He is Mutari's chief growth officer and is a subject matter expert on stir shaking. Chuck, thank you for joining the podcast today. Chuck, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. We're probably going to hear a lot of Chuck today, don't you reckon? I
1: I love it. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever watch Happy Days? I did. Yeah, sure. I mean, as as a child, I did. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, Chuck, I'm going to provide an interesting and fun fact about you, if that's okay. Please. I read online you enjoy competition, and one way you scratch that competitive itch is playing basketball once a week. Tell us about that oh
1: boy you know i pre- i appreciate that and thank you it's um I- i'll have to say this for the last eighteen months I haven't played as much
0: mm-hmm. near
1: nearly as much as i i used to and and I'm at the point now too i'm a- I'm a bit older now and it's the same guys i can- I've been playing with for twenty five to thirty years that Is i'm that at the right? point I'm at the point in my ch- life chuck where I can look back and say i'm the guy in the court I used to laugh at when I was younger, but you know what it- it- it's an awesome, awesome thing to be out there with people you like. No one's trying to win, you know, trying to win <clears> the <throat> NBA championship, um, playing with friends. And I intend on doing it as long as I possibly can, because there's just, there's just nothing like it. I'm playing with people you enjoy.
0: Oh, absolutely. That, that sounds like a big time one. And so I, I was going to ask if it was a pickup game type scenario, or if you had regular players that you played with. And so it sounds like you're playing with friends, people that you've known a long time.
1: It's a, it's interesting thing. And as I, as, as I think about my family, I've got uh, all, everybody in my family plays, uh, including my wife. She doesn't play as much anymore, but she's to coach our kids too. And oh, yeah? Um, yeah, yeah. So I've got a 16, 14, 12 year old. They all play uh, high school, uh, grammar school, etc. And, um, it's been interesting. They're experiencing now the same thing I have playing basketball. I have, I have friends in different industries from all, all walks of life, uh, just every, every demographic you can think of, from various games I've played at all over Chicago. And I can see that now through my kids where they have a network, really a network of friends, mm-hmm. um, of, of people. And it's just another one of those examples of how sports bring people together. And one of the reasons I like it as well, you get to meet great people.
0: Absolutely, isn't that a beautiful thing? Let me ask you: When you're playing basketball, are you mostly in the paint, guy under the basket, or are you are you out there and on the outside dropping threes?
1: I'm a, I'm a little bit of both. I'd co- I'd be called a stretch four, is what I would okay. be called, Chuck. I'm a yeah. I'm about six foot four, and I'll sometimes go into the paint, but I'm probably more like Bill Ambeer now in my game, if you remember him from the mm-hmm. Pistons. We, I, I think we're about the sure same do. age. I'm hearing that right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? um, I'm more of a – I play a lot of defense and hit the extra three, but, you know, I, you know, you don't necessarily want to drive against me.
0: All right. <laughs> Very good. I like it. <laughs> well, so as I was looking at your by online, you've been with Matari a little over three years, and prior to that, you – were co-founder and CEO of a company that was in, involved with HIPAA compliant secure communications. Is that right? That's correct. How did you get into this securing communications? So,
1: yeah, that's a great that's a great question. It's a little bit of a, a story about, about Mutari more than anything else. I, so I was with a software manufacturer in the enterprise space, which is what Mutari is. Mutari, uh, has, which is a 30-year-old firm, great organization, been profitable every year, no debt. Um, has a great reputation for making really good software and supporting it. And we, we know that from client surveys that we've done. This is what people tell us. Uh, our owners were at the point uh, where they were ready to effectively turn the company over to the next generation of leadership, but really, um, really looking to make sure they didn't sell the company to a private equity firm or a venture capital firm. We I think we know how that ends sometimes. Um mm-hmm. they wanted to to really have those people that built the company um really take it to its next chapter and and that's really why I was brought in to help scale the company as we purchase the company from our current owners through a employee stock ownership plan. Chuck, if you look at my LinkedIn profile, you'll see that I'm chief growth officer and mm-hmm. owner and you'll see that around uh, a lot of a, a lot of our team so I came in not necessarily with a telecom background, I came in with the background of understanding how to grow companies, and um, that's what we're doing here for the long term. It's an exciting mission that we're all on, and and it's uh, it's been great for our culture. We had a great culture before, but even better today uh, when everybody aligned around that goal.
0: Yeah, you know, Mutari's been a good partner of his cause for a long time, and we've had the opportunity to interact with a lot of different people from Mutari, and you know, I, I perceive that you really do have a, a nice company culture and some very talented people. Thank you for that. I I think about that all the time, Chuck. I feel fortunate to be at this
1: firm and, and, and working with this great group of people. Uh, they're that good.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, I'm I'm glad you're there and I'm glad to have you on this podcast. You you, you ready to jump yeah, into uh, our stir-shaking conversation? A pleasure. All right. Let's just start what is this FCC legislation that we're talking about that's known as stir shaking.
1: You know, I'll talk about it a little bit. It's it's it takes a little bit to get your arms around it, but I'll I'll really boil it down. Back mm-hmm. in 2019, something called the TRACE Act was passed, and it was through that that's where the mandate for stir shaking takes place so that the TRACE Act stands for the Telephone robocall abuse, criminal enforcement and deterrence—that's what the acronym means. And it's it, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, I know. And there's going to be a couple more acronyms too as we break this down. Unfortunately, <laughs> the purpose really is to trying to protect the public right from illegal calls. After that, and as part of that, helping law enforcement to identify those offenders that are making those illegal calls. The whole thing is a regulatory framework stopping those unscrupulous callers from spoofing numbers, and the stir-shaking part really is is the technical piece about how you identify whether or not a call is a proper call or not. And I can unpack that at any point, Chuck, if you want me to start doing that.
0: Yeah, before we unpack it, what the legislation is doing is addressing these uh, spoofed any numbers or these spoofed caller ID numbers where, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think everybody understands what that is. These are the robocalls, right? Like the, you know, the phone rings. Oh no. Yes, I have auto insurance. No, I don't need another healthcare plan. Yes, I'm aware of the upcoming election. You know, Mm -hmm. those types of calls that oftentimes are nuisance calls, right? But also, you know, and many times are nefarious. Now, of course, there's good robocalls as well. I mean, even in our company, we make them on behalf of organizations. Think of medical appointment reminders and, you know, you've got a, you know, your car, you know, has an appointment, you need to get there. Those are, those are really, really important calls. The FCC recognized and they're taking action because 94% of people just don't answer the phone right now. They don't answer the phone if they don't recognize the number. That's incredible when you think about that, like what that means. If you don't know who that person is, you don't
0: pick up the phone. You said 94%? That's right. Yeah. That is big. As I was kind of preparing for this, I read an article that talked about how it's destroyed the trust in a system that we have grown to trust and rely upon for many years. And no longer are we answering answering those phone calls unless we know who it is for the most
1: part. Well, I mean, let's think about it. I mean, every one of your listeners is probably thinking to myself, well, yeah, that's what I do. I mean, that's what people do. Uh, You let it roll in the voicemail. That's a typical response. You're like, oh, I'll wait and I'll I'll go check the voicemail if I need to follow up or not. But in the same token, though, voice calls are really important. And it happens Mm -hmm. to me all the time with my team. We're, (laughs) We're sending IM messages. We're sending text messages. We're sending emails, all of these asynchronous forms of communication all the time. When we really just need to get to the heart of an issue, we pick up the phone right? Because Uh conversation is nuance. People need to make voice calls. And in fact, when the pandemic started 18 months ago, I guess now, maybe even longer, I I forget how long it's been, seems forever. You know, there was an uptick in the use of voice calls because people need to feel connected that way. In any case, I'm I'm a big fan of anything to to help get people to use the phone more and have more trust Uh in the phone. And that's a lot of what the FCC was was really attempting to do, recognizing that people weren't using the phone enough, but also just the schemes themselves cost. I mean, the FCC cites, these are their stats, that, that robocalls cost our citizens $10 billion a year. They dis- wow. they disrupt emergency and healthcare communication. You know, it's real money, Chuck. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. big.
0: Yeah, can't be a really big problem. And you're talking about big bucks too. Mm-hmm. So uh, you mentioned uh, the trace Act and told us what that uh, acronym was. What about Stir shaking What the uh, what's the acronym stand for on that? I had,
1: I had to write this one down, Chuck. So let me let me let me get this. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got it written down in front of yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. You. It's, it's yeah, all right, all right. So the Stir part is Secure Telephone Identity Revisited. So that's Stir. Okay. And let me just make sure everybody worries about. That. That's a driver's license, right? That basically is the digital certificate that says I have the ability to make a call from this telephone number. All right. So think of it as a driver's license. You go to the Department mm-hmm. of Motor Vehicles. You know, this is these are carriers saying this is the person that was assigned this number. That's what Stir is. the The second piece, the shake-in, stands for signature-based handling of asserted information using tokens. I can't, that I can't make it up. I can't make it up. So that's what SHAKEN stands for. And, and that's the piece of it that takes those certificates. And it's, it's how carriers right, share them that information so that from the origination of the call all the way to the termination of it, we can see through the system whether or not someone was able to use that call so that you're not able mm-hmm. to spoof that number. Does
0: that make sense? It does make sense. You you used a word in describing each of those, you said carrier. So is it only carrier responsibility with stir and shaken? And does it only apply to carriers?
1: Well, it does for the purposes of much of this call, because if you're in the enterprise, there really isn't anything for you to do, right? Because this is this is an issue that carriers need and service providers need to provide, right? As they're providing as they're providing that phone service. They're the ones that are really uh, the ones that are responsible. Now, there is a caveat to that. If you are an organization like a healthcare organization, right, and you reference one that's one of your customers, you know, you might be making spoof calls, right? But you're really looking to the provider of that solution for guidance there to help you with that because, you know, there are good spoof calls. We've already talked a little bit about that, but you're not really impacted by this. The FCC is really mandating this down to those that are originating and terminating phone calls.
0: Okay. How are they doing it?
1: Okay. So from an implementation standpoint, the service provider carrier had to implement stir by June 30th of this year. So you might be mm-hmm. saying to yourself, oh, man, you know, July 1st, I still had robocalls coming. That was the first piece of it. All right. And they also required that all providers right, certify in something they created called a robocall mitigation database that they have either fully implemented stir shaken or they've instituted a robocall, robocall mitigation program to ensure that they're not originating illegal robocalls. So all these providers had to submit this there's a public database out there and you can look it up. Anybody can go to, it's supposed to have the contact information for the personnel at the company responsible for the robocall mitigation related issues. So that's out there. Anybody can, anybody can find that. Robocall, you just look up robocall mitigation database and you'll see that. Again, uh, here, here we are, what, October 6th, you're probably still getting robocalls though i'm guessing chuck
0: yeah oh absolutely i am yeah
1: so we've got a long way to go this is the first these are first steps right these are first steps this is not necessarily about this is putting the framework in place we haven't gotten really to the point yet where in any meaningful way robocalls are being blocked and and in fact i can give you a little bit more on that i mean at this point right now what you're getting, and that's that's only if that information is being carried from the originating carrier all the way to the terminating carrier, is you may get from your service provider some sort of indication that says this might be a spam call, or potentially a green check mark, right? That says that it's an okay call. Now on the carrier side, they're passing more information than that, and we can see that at Mutari. But you know, there's different levels of attestation, right? Fully attested all the way through. Hey, this is the person who says they're calling, calling. Partial attestation or, you know, something called gateway attestation. You know, again, as a consumer, you don't see any of those things. But not everybody is able to use this technology yet because it's all based on, on internet protocol. It's all VoIP. And, you know, we're still not there yet where everybody's on that technology.
0: That raises an interesting question. I was going to ask, does it only apply to uh, SIP trunks or SIP trunks only able to implement stir-shaking, or does it also apply to your ISD and PRI circuits?
1: It's got to, but again, this is at the carrier level All this is taken. So, right. you know, so, so it's not, you know, once, once it hits the enterprise, well, then that's different. You can use whatever you'd like, even though, you know, as we all know right now, the world is moving to SIP. I mean, it's harder mm-hmm. and harder to support some of these older technologies. When you go up to the carrier level, yeah, it does apply to just in VoIP calls. And so mm-hmm. that raises some interesting questions about what happens to those, those carriers that don't support it, um, foreign carriers. And, and that that's makes it more problematic to try to block, right? Because if I don't have complete certainty that, mm-hmm. that I'm blocking a good call, but I, I just need to make this very clear for your audience: the carriers themselves aren't getting paid to block calls. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they that's have, right. They have no, and in fact, I would argue they have a disincentive to block the calls because if they block the <laughs> wrong one, they open themselves up, themselves up to some serious legal issues. You know, mm-hmm. when you think about safe harbor rules, the only ones they're blocking now, and that's if they feel like they have good information, are the ones that are on the do not originate list, and there's a there's a list out there that carriers can look to saying, hey, these Mm -hmm. numbers should never originate a call, or impossible numbers. Those are the only types that they're blocking. And I can tell you that there's really no intent for them to block many more of that than what we're seeing. And I can tell you and your listeners that because we're talking to the carriers and they're trying to figure out how to to help their enterprise customers stop these calls. And they're looking at us. (laughs) Yeah. You know,
0: (laughs) it's like, I have noticed, I've noticed in the past year or so, my cell phone has started identifying potential spam callers. I forget exactly the words that it says. Is this, is that related to stir shaking? It certainly can be.
1: So it it depends on what that particular mobile carrier decides to send to you. And all of them can send different information. So they might choose to, to send potential spam call. That could be stir shaking, right? We couldn't attest this call. We couldn't mm-hmm. attest that this person was who they called to. But also remember, there are solutions out there that carriers have either offered for free or you can buy as a consumer where um, you can go ahead and and have a third-party robocall medication solution look at that call as well. So, so there are databases that can be checked. The carriers aren't checking those databases right now directly, but there are third parties that they can use. And we, we know those databases very well because we use them. We consume those databases for our technology to help mitigate unwanted calls.
0: I remember Rich talking about the databases in yep. um, the spam filter that he uses for known yep. uh, spam callers. Okay. Well, good stuff. So you mentioned the carriers and the, uh, you use the driver's license analogy, which is really good. But you said it it applies to the carriers. The enterprise doesn't have to worry so much about it. It may impact the way they do business if they're making calls on behalf of other people. And I've even wondered also about some of the technology we use with our phone systems that receives a call into my number, but then sends that call to my cell phone. When we send that call to my cell phone, we're sending out the caller ID of the original caller. It seems like some of that could be impacted. Well, let me give
1: you the let me give you a view on this. Um, and by the way, I, if I sound like I'm negative, I'm not about Sir Shaken. I think this is a great start. I think this is very positive that we're doing this. But the reality is, even you know, this is really directed to your listeners, Chuck. Well, and we can I can tell you also based on our activity. I think people have come to the conclusion that, that Sir Shaken isn't the panacea that people were looking for. Like, hey, June thirtieth is here. It's over. We've, we've solved the issue. This is going to be a long, long continuum to get there. So what organizations need to ask themselves is, do I really want unwanted calls continuing to come into my organization, whether that be spoof calls or robocalls of any type? Because we know the carriers aren't blocking them and potentially really ever because of the incentives in place. Mm-hmm. And, but we also know that 40% of these unwanted calls have really bad intent. I'd like to build on that for a moment. Because you know, it's one thing to be digitally distracted and disturbed by these calls. I mean, we, you know, I'm sure Rich spent quite a bit of time talking about this, that when you are in, the, you know, in the midst of doing an email, you know, on a call, on, you know, working on an email, working on a paper, whatever it is you're doing, you know, when you get distracted and they're called digital distractions, it takes a little time to get back to center. And, and, that's, and that's a productivity issue. That's, that's the same reason why we have, in many ways, email spam filters. I'd invite any of your listeners to take a look at your junk folder for your, your email and take a look at how many messages you have in there. By blocking those, you're not getting into that process of having to look up, look in your email box, oh, this is junk. We still, they still get through, right? I mean, a lot of them get through. But why we really buy that technology, it's, it's not for the productivity issues. We buy it for the security piece of it. That's why it's mandated by security teams. I- IT purchases email spam filters, but they're bought because of the fact that security breaches are way up. We as humans mm-hmm. tend to click things or say things because it's part of being human. And in fact, 95% of all security breaches are due from a human making a mistake. And that applies to voice. We know that social, socially engineered attacks are on the rise right so it's not just email but it's also hitting sms text it's phone calls it's multi-layered now it's socially engineered frankly right now chuck nothing is there filtering that voice traffic mm-hmm. and that's what people need to think about it's mm-hmm. yes we want the productivity aspects of our people get rid of those calls that's productivity that's right. but what's the risk if one of those act those those callers have bad they're a bad actor and they have male intent that's a much different risk to an organization. And those are, mm-hmm. there's serious implications.
0: Uh, there are serious implications. So maybe that's a, a good segue to what Mutari's doing. So tell us a little bit about just briefly what Mutari has to complement and work with uh, what Stir Shaken is also trying to address.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll keep this really brief. And we'd be pleased to obviously speak with any any one of your, your customers or your colleagues Chuck, about this. But, you know, again, using an analogy, I like that. I mean, think of the, the TSA analogy, right? What it was years ago when you're walking through an airport, right? You can pretty much walk right through, right onto the airplane for the most part. But now mm-hmm. there's security controls in place. You have to go through security checkpoints. Well, we do that with telephone calls. That's what we do. Now, we, re- we require SIP. And we'll look at SIP header information in about a third of a second. We'll look at stir shaken as input if it's being passed by the carrier, right, to determine whether that's an authentic, whether that's an attested call or not. But we'll also look at wanted So let's say it's your patient lists. Hey, let's pass that call right away. We'll look at unwanted lists. You know, think of annoying salespeople or people we just don't want to have being able to call into our voice network. Okay, fine. That's on list. Drop that call. But we'll also look at the dynamic list that I was referencing. You know, mm-hmm. millions and millions. Um, one of our databases has four and a half million updated instantly, known wow. unwanted calls. We'll look at all of those, all of those sources in about a third of a second. Third of a second. The co- That's
0: the incredible,
1: isn't it? it? Well, it is kind of incredible. You think about it. We're able to do those things today. But even better, we'll look at all of them. And then depending on the rules, that the enterprise chooses to set—that's really important. It's not about mm-hmm. our—it's not Mitari's rules. It's about what the enterprise chooses to set, and it's very easy to do. We're either going to pass the traffic, or we're going to drop the traffic, or reroute the traffic, or we maybe even challenge the caller with a voice—a cha- voice capture system which is like a reverse Turing test. Uh, the caller hears something, um, you know, thank you for calling. Please enter 312 to continue. And that would change on every attempt. And if they pass, the phone call can continue.
0: Excellent. It is, it is fascinating that you can go through all of that information, all of that data, and then make decisions that the customer has implemented and, and, the, and the caller doesn't even really know. it. When you're talking about a third of a second, they, they don't know all this is going on. No, you know?
1: no, they don't. And what I just explained to you, the voice traffic filter um, mm-hmm. from Utari, that's the solution. That's not something that the carrier can build. And that's why we're in effect partnering with them to be able to deliver this for enterprises because stir-shaking again is an input to be able to control and let the enterprise choose what comes in. And I should add as well, before we close off here, I know we're getting close to our time. You know, if any of your listeners want to know what their existing situation looked like, uh, they can send uh, CDR records, call detail records to us and we'll put them through our engine and show them at least at the highest level what kind of traffic is actually flowing through their voice tower.
0: That's a great service. And we've, we've had some of our customers take advantage of that. And what, what are you charging for that Chuck?
1: Well, for, for working with you, um, we we'll, we would do that
0: free of charge. That's right. It's a great service just to prove the problem. That's right. right. That's right. So as we, as we wrap up here, Chuck, I want to thank you again for making time to join the podcast and help our listeners understand stir shaking. If any of you have additional questions or want to get into it deeper, reach out to us here at his call, but I also encourage you to visit Mutari's website. They have some really good resources available, some of them authored by Chuck himself. There's a really good white paper of spoof proofing the Enterprise Voice Network. Gets into some of the details of Stir Shaken and some of the legislation and the development of all of this. Really, really good white paper. I'll put a link to it in our show notes. So, Chuck, any, uh, any final words to wrap up? no
1: no chuck other than i we really i really appreciate being invited to to spend some time with you we value our partnership with hiscall so thank you for that
0: well thank you so much uh, chuck i'm i'll wrap up every podcast with this saying don't be afraid only believe thanks for taking the time to listen to the hiscall technology podcast Subscribe to this podcast so you can stay up to date with today's business communication trends. To learn more about HisCall solutions for your business needs or to listen to previous podcasts, visit us at our website, HisCall.com.